Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Wellness Talks. I'm your host, Jonathan Ehrenberg. On this episode, we'll be talking about um, the things that make it difficult to navigate through the realm of mental health conditions and how the world eventually perceives your um, mental health or lack thereof. But first, I'd like to, as always, thank everyone who's tuned in to the Wellness Talks. And uh, we really appreciate you listening. And if you could like and share our podcast, we would really appreciate that. But also, we'd like to thank everyone who um, is subscribed to the Road to MentalWellness.com and those who are the regular readers who keep coming back um, to the Road to MentalWellness.com. We really appreciate that. Also, we are on social media, Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter, etc. All you have to do is type in the Road to Mental Wellness on those platforms and then like or sign up. And uh, we would love to have you as a uh, member. And that way you can keep up to date with the latest podcasts and our uh, content on the Road to Mental Wellness.com. Okay, so... I've officially been diagnosed since um, 2018, and that was originally a um, major depressive disorder, which was a surprise to myself. Um, although hindsight being 2020, I now recognize that um, it's probably been a part of who I am for all of my life, and. Uh, which was part of the inspiration, ironically, for the book The Road to Mental Wellness, which chronicles my story from childhood to uh, present day and the long battles that I've had, ups and downs, successes, and, and I wouldn't say failures, but um, the times that I had become captive by mental illness. Um, so the good and the bad all throughout my life and what I believe helps overcome it. But um, the interesting thing about initially being diagnosed with a mental health condition is that people have a significant amount of sympathy and compassion for such a diagnosis, such as depression. Um, although, admittedly, many have a passing, well, that's too bad, hope you feel better kind of mentality uh, a lot of close people or people that were close to me were very supportive and then of course when I became diagnosed with the post-traumatic stress disorder um, the s- sympathetic and compassionate uh, approach continued uh, on a much more um, sincere I would say level but more intense level as well um, it seems that uh, or at least in my view, people who um, people who can understand um, what seeing a lot of death and destruction can do to a person over the course of many, many years. They seem to, um, while they can't relate to it, they seem to understand that, yeah, that would be a um, horrible experience. So as a result, they 
provide you with a lot more um, understanding. Um, well, at least initially. And uh, the interesting phenomenon that happens is that it sort of becomes whittled down over time by the very same people who have provided um, kind words and offers of support and uh, well-wishing and all of those things. And that's not to say that everybody in my life has sort of um, moved away from um, the fact that I'm still struggling every day to negotiate the world and to step outside my door, let alone take on an occupation that's uh, eight hours long. Um, and for those people I'm extremely grateful for, but uh, one of the things that you notice sort of from a societal perspective is, you know, uh, you start to get uh, um, feedback like, um, well, you need to get back to work, or someone's always got it worse. And um, there's a whole variety of sort of um, intentionally inspirational quotes, I guess, sort of statements that are made that somehow are supposed to erase uh, several decades of traumatic incidents and violence and... Uh, mm, somehow you miraculously uh, find a cure and well that's not really how it works um, I do appreciate that people um, sort of try um, but at the same time I mean what do you tell someone if it's outside the realm of your own experience um, sometimes uh, the odd mean person comes along and I and says you just need to suck it up or or get over it um, I just remind them gently that I'd gladly trade your brains if yours isn't traumatized and you can have mine um, there's not usually a rebuttal after that but uh, again maybe that's because they're just passing by um, unfortunately though um, this does have a a significant impact on on the healing journey simply because um, the more dismissive or out of hand people become with you the more lonely and isolated you become and uh, when you have copious amounts of time to uh, ruminate over that isolation and loneliness um, you withdraw essentially and then um, you know things can overtake you um, so the nightmares become more, you lose sleep. And uh, once you start to lose a significant amount of sleep, you start to, um, you start to go downhill even faster because without sleep, sleep is so detrimental to the well-being of a human being that uh, without it, it uh, significantly impairs um, a lot of things. Um, it uh, stifles weight loss, it uh, causes brain fog and other things and exacerbates so many mental health conditions. So once you get on that roller coaster, it's really hard to get off that one. But um, the unfortunate thing is that uh, it's going to be a natural 
um, a natural thing for people to um, sort of respond in those ways over time. I mean, what else do you say? Um, but what I would say to anyone who's uh, suffering some sort of similar encounters with other people, that firstly, um, uh, there's not much point in getting angry with them. They, uh, it's beyond the realm of understanding. And uh, some people just think that you can plow through things and somehow you'll be uh, cured. But the interesting thing for me is um, that uh, while many people don't see um, mental health on the exterior, mental illness on the exterior, um, it nonetheless is visible if you know what you're looking for in terms of symptomology. So um, in my case with post-traumatic stress disorder, the startle response is significantly higher. Um, um, I'm tired all the time. I'm forgetful. Uh, brain fog um, is like the equivalent to living in London back in the 40s. And or 50s maybe. I, I can't remember. That's beside the point. Anyway, um, these are all symptoms of post-traumatic stress and depression. And withdrawal itself is a symptom of uh, mental health problems. And, uh, you know, when you feel so, uh, so overwhelmed that you can't even look at your phone, um, that's not a person being weak, that's a person exhibiting a symptom. Furthermore, um, major depressive disorder has been... by science, it um, has shown that inflammation of the brain, um, in particular regions of the amygdala and prefrontal cortex, the amygdala is responsible for fight or flight responses, um, etc. And the prefrontal cortex is responsible for executive function and um, reasoning and uh, mood regulation and the list goes on and on judgment um, all of those things and uh, whilst it's not limited to those particular brain regions there have been studies that show that it has been those areas are impacted um, by depression in the form of um, an inflammatory response. So that there tells us that um, it's a physiological, neurophysiological um, a disorder um, that is worthy, just as worthy as someone who has treatment, aggressive as treatment as someone who has um, a heart attack or a heart condition that's prolonged for for a very long period of time. We just simply wouldn't say, you know, take care, see you later, get over it. You know, someone's always got it worse, blah, so on and so on. Um, for some reason, we recognize, even though we can't see the heart, that people who have heart attacks 
and other heart ailments. Um, really do uh, have our sympathy when it comes to being off on disability, for example. Um, so um, I think if we spread the word that there is some neurophysiological um, responses happening within the brain itself, um, and that includes post-traumatic stress, the amygdalas are smaller, and uh, there doesn't seem to be any real um, mechanism that helps, in some cases anyway, um, with the constant fear and anxiety that is produced by the amygdala um, when it's malformed. And because of that, it's like somebody just, you know, pulled the switch and broke the, broke it off and uh, left the anxiety uh, gateways, or the amygdalas, if you will, open and, uh, and uh, you're in near constant fight or flight or freeze mode. And that's pretty much uh, where many people with post-traumatic stress are. It's exhausting. It can cloud your judgment simply because when your fight, flight, or freeze response is elevated, um, it essentially minimizes your prefrontal cortex, which what we said before was your logic reasoning and um, all of those things. So you stumble around, you forget. Brain fog's produced. Um, and that's just simply because uh, your the elements of your brain that make you you as a functional human being are being overridden constantly by uh, this malformed amygdala. So again, it's an actual neurophysiological um, disorder that is worthy of any other kind of organ. Uh, malformation or um, disease and uh, that's the one thing that we need to start realizing and that we need to start educating people on and uh, this just isn't something that we do uh, because uh, we choose to I mean who anybody that chooses to just um, live in a permanent state of anxiety I mean, that's not something that anyone would do. Because um, it would have to be fed by some sort of positive motivation. And anxiety, as far as I know, doesn't come with... Uh, well, it comes with very few incidents of positive motivation. Perhaps maybe when you're doing a speech or something like that, it might loosely fit in a category such as that. But, you know, it's such an unpleasant feeling. It's such a devastating uh, and dreadful um, disorder that there's very few people on this planet that I would think would say, you know, I want to feel this way so that I can not work or that I can't interact with society. I hate people, so it's perfect that I have anxiety and I won't get it treated because, you know, it keeps me out of the so keeps me out of society. Excuse me. Those are all ludicrous statements, actually, or thoughts that somebody would, you know choose to uh, relive their traumas or that they would choose to be uh, in fight, flight, or freeze mode all the time. I mean, 
in my mind it's ridiculous but anyway so my point here was that mental health in fact has some real physiological aspects to it and it's not just some phantom uh, fancy word or words rather that are floating around in your head um they are real and they are worthy and therefore by default that makes you real and worthy of the treatment um, not only by society but by mental health professionals um, and that's why I always say you're always worth more than you think you are because um, your battle with mental health conditions is always going to be uphill um, and sometimes you'll stumble and fall down uh, the hill and the, and the whole objective is to keep moving upward and not fall back down to the base so I'll leave you with that and again I thank you all for tuning in to the wellness talks I'm your host Jonathan Ehrenberg and it's always a pleasure to kind of work these things out um, although I've been doing it solo for the last dozen episodes or um, I will eventually get to a point where I have sufficient amount of mental health energy to have other people on and we'll focus on all things wellness and uh, moving forward I look forward to those days but until then if you'd like you can subscribe to the road to mental wellness and when you subscribe to the road to mental wellness I will send you the first chapter of my new book a precursor for illness uh, free and uh, all we ask is that you provide us with some feedback and uh, let us know if uh, there's any errors or anything like that. But also, um, I'm excited always to mention the Road to Mental Wellness, the blog, because there's a lot of good, great content there that many people have given me feedback over the last few years and have told me that it's been inspirational or helpful. So, And that's my whole goal by doing podcasts and books and blogs. Um, and also the beauty about doing that kind of thing is that I get to put my energy in it when I have it and not be pushed along into something that um, I can't mentally um, endure. So that's why I really love doing what I'm doing because it's therapeutic for me and helpful for others. So with all that said, I will bid you a good day and remember... You are indeed worth more than you think you are. Bye-bye now.